Hey, well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church again. We're glad that you're here. This second Sunday of the new year. Uh, I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about what God is going to do uh, in your lives, but I'm also excited about what God is going to do in our church. Hey, we, we celebrate, and I think it's next Sunday, right? We, we don't make a... Um, we, just last year and this year, we didn't make a big deal about it, but next Sunday actually is the anniversary, second anniversary of Tri-Cities Church. Um, yeah, we're, we're celebrating that, that this church, this two-year-old church, right? Uh, January 20th, I think it was, uh, two years ago is when we we began meeting weekly as a church, and God has been faithful to our church, God, right? God has been, God has carried us through, God has taken us from uh, one side of the Tri-Cities to the other, and, and uh, you know, we're not sure exactly where God will place us and where God will have us, but we know that God has placed us in this community to serve here and to love here and to grow as a church here and to send people out from here to serve Him uh, in their own neighborhoods. And so we're excited about all that God has in store for us and in our lives. And um, it's, it's just always surprising when you look back at a year and you think about how much difference a year can can make. And, and Jamie and I were just sitting talking just last week and we we're like, last year was a blur, right? It seems like it was just a year ago and we were standing here saying we're one year old as a church. And, and I'm like, wow, where did this second year year ago and um, but it, it is incredible to see um, the way God's plan unfolds in our lives you know when we read the scriptures we see that God's plan uh, is unfolding there as well right um, and, and I can't help but to think you know in retrospect we kind of see how the whole thing is playing out um, but in retrospect like when we read these stories in the Bible from um, Adam and Eve onward all the way to to the New Testament and other uh, people who played an important role in God's plan I can't help but to think that those people didn't know the significance of their actions, right? They had no way of knowing how significant their actions would be and how huge of a difference it would make and that generations upon generations later, the people would still be talking about their actions and learning from them and growing from them and getting to know the Lord through what they did, right? They had no way of knowing that. They couldn't even fathom what God would do with their lives. And it's the same way with us, right? We have every day we have the opportunity to make a decision, to make choices, to make actions, to follow the Lord, to serve him, to live for him, to honor him with our lives. And we have no way of knowing, right, what way God will magnify the actions we make today to lead the generations that are coming tomorrow and to lead people who are coming behind us. And so I challenge you this year to make some intentional decisions to follow Jesus Christ, right? And to live for him and to shape your family in such a way that it honors him and glorifies him. Now, last week we looked at the story of, of Samson and we saw that, um, and we're not really in a series of sorts, but um, we are, uh, we're just looking at some Bible characters and studying them, and, and we're trying to see ways that we can get right what they got wrong, right? And it's not saying that they were uh, imperfect, uh, not saying that they were um, like um, far, far, far from God and made tons of mistakes, but it's just saying, hey, some of these people lived righteous lives, like, like this week, we're looking at the story of Lot, um, and Lot, the Bible said, lives a right, lived a righteous life. Right. But um, but there's still some things that we can learn from him. There's some things that we can gain that um, that he got wrong, that we can get right. And last week we saw in the book of Samson, uh, we saw how he was a strong man. 
but ultimately it was his weaknesses that brought him down. So although he had incredible physical strength, right, he was spiritually weak and, and he, could, he didn't have good discipline. And he pursued whatever he laid his eyes upon. And as we were sitting there even singing, I was, I was thinking um, the, the importance of discipline, right? God gives us gifts, right? God um, blesses us in certain ways, but unless we're disciplined with what God gives us, we're dangerous and destructive, right? We live a wake of, heart, uh, a wake of hardship and pain and, uh, and trouble in our past unless we learn discipline, right? God has given us uh, uh, mental capacities, right? Brains, right? And, but unless we discipline it, we, we can't learn. God blesses us financially and with jobs, but unless we're disciplined, we can't hold it down, right? And God gives us families, but unless we're disciplined, right, we, we kind of lose everything and, and, and mess up things and, and hurt people. Um, and so discipline is like the key to life. And Samson hadn't learned that. And so although he was gifted by God, his gifts ultimately um, didn't uh, supersede, they didn't uh, overwhelm his weaknesses. Rather, his weaknesses brought him down, um, and, and his life ended tragically. And so this week, we're looking at the story of Lot. Let's pray, and then we'll get into this, this story. God, we give you thanks this morning that we get to open the Scriptures again and, and read this story that's um, about a man named Lot, who's often not um, the focus of our study. Right? Lot didn't really go down in history as this great person that's a great man of the faith that we lift up and talk about a lot. But, um, God, there's some, some great things that, that, that he did, and, um, and the Bible calls him righteous. So, God, we, we do look, look to him. But, God, we want to get right some things that he got wrong. And so as we read this story and as we study it, God, I just pray that you guide us uh, into the Scriptures and help us to understand um, ways that we can live today that will honor you. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, now Lot. Now, Lot's not a popular Bible character. He was Abraham's nephew, and Abraham is a popular Bible character. In fact, Abraham is often referred to as the father of the faith, right? We have that song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Abraham. I am, and you are... So, I don't even know the whole song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a song that, we, that at least I grew up singing when I was a kid, right? About Father Abraham, right? He's kind of like a hallmark of the faith, right? You read about him in Genesis chapter 12, right? He kind of steps on the scene in a powerful way. And God is calling Abraham to come and follow me. And God has this powerful message to Abraham that I think we all want God to have for our life as well. Uh, God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, right? And you're going to be a blessing and those who curse you i'm going to curse in other words god was saying to abraham hey i have a huge plan for your life and i'm going to bless you so that my plan can be fulfilled through you and if anybody stands in the way of my plan if anybody curses you i will curse them i will remove them out the way because what i'm going to do through abraham is going to be remembered for generations upon generations upon generations i'm going to do great things through abraham that people generations down the road are going to be singing songs like father abraham had many sons right and god knew this when he called abraham and so we have this scripture in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. And I, and I think um, um, Abraham's life in many ways becomes uh, paradigmatic or a paradigm for the life of faith, like what it means to follow God. Because God says, hey, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing. And I think that's a key principle for us. Um, and, and we're going to get to Lot, but let me just stay with Abraham for a minute because I think we have to understand Abraham in order to understand Lot. 
Um, and so that, that's a key principle, this idea that God says, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. We see that all throughout the scriptures, that God blesses us so that we may be a blessing. Right? It is a dangerous thing when blessings, things we label as blessings or identify as blessings in our lives, find their end in our life. Right. So God blessed me with this, but I'm using it all for my own self, my own gain, my own purpose, my own ambition and not for other people. Right. And so the, the idea that we're blessed in order to be a blessing is all throughout Scripture. It's almost like a thread that's woven throughout scriptures. Now, God does want you to enjoy the things that he blesses you with. Right. That, and so I'm not trying to be this person to say, hey, don't enjoy it. Just go through life and everything you get, give it away and um, don't enjoy this life that you've been blessed with. Enjoy it. But remember that you've been blessed to be a blessing. And so in Genesis 12, God appears to Abraham and he teaches him this principle and he calls him and says, hey, pack your stuff up and follow me to a place I will show you. It's a powerful thing that God is doing there in Genesis chapter 12. I love the book of Genesis. In fact, the word Genesis means beginning. I mean, it teaches us a lot of things about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And so here in the book of Genesis, God tells Abraham, that it's almost like he's teaching him, this is what faith is about. Right? It's about making this conscious uh, decision. This, this um, I mean, you're wide awake, right? You see the risk, you see what you have, you see the goodness of where you are. But God is saying, hey, I know where you are, but I know the plans I have for you, Abraham. Now come and follow me to a place I will show you. And that's often what faith is like, right? Faith is calling us on a journey. God called Abraham on a literal journey. Pack your stuff, right? Get it together, whatever you can carry, get it together. Tell your people that you have in your household, we're getting ready to go and pack it up and follow me to a place I will show you. Now, then, the life of faith is like that in the sense that God calls us to, hey, come and follow me. And you may not see what the end will be like from here. You might not see exactly where you're going and what result this will have, but come and follow me. Trust me with this, is what God was saying to Abraham. And Abraham chose to trust him. And Lot, his nephew, the one we're talking about today, Lot decided to follow. Now, Lot always lived in his uncle's shadow. That's just kind of the guy he was, right? He admired Abraham, his faith, the way that he lived his life. And he knew that God's blessing was upon his life. And so Lot made a conscious and, and I, think, uh, I, I think a wise decision, right, to live in Abraham's shadow. Because what we see happening in Scripture is that not only did God bless Abraham, but God blessed Lot as well, right? Lot kind of reaped the benefits of being in Abraham's shadow. So Abraham was blessed with abundant. Uh, of, of possessions and, and even material things. And um, in that day, it was like uh, animals and livestock and stuff. And so Abraham had all these, and he even had um, um, servants and people that worked in his household and, and people that kept, took care of the animals. He, he kind of had a, 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 a kind of a small corporation of such, uh, um, um, if you think about it, um, that, that was just kind of following him around everywhere he went because God blessed him that way. And so here we have Abraham being blessed and Lot being blessed that way as well. And their possessions become very great. Look with me in Genesis chapter 13. I'm going to read just a little bit of this scripture here. Uh, in Genesis 13 verse, I'm going to begin right in verse 1. It says, so Abraham went up from Egypt to Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. 
And from the Negev, he went to the place, uh, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel into the place between Bethel and I, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built the altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot was moving about with Abraham and uh, Abram is um, at this point in the Bible, he's still called Abram. Um, later, God changes his name to Abraham. And so when you read Abram, that's Abraham. And so it says, now Lot also was moving around with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And so here we have this guy Lot living in his uncle's shadow, living in Abraham's shadow. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And God kept his promise there. And Abraham was blessed greatly. He had all this livestock, silver and gold, all these people working in his household, taking care of his stuff. And Lot had the same thing. And the Bible says their possessions became so great that they could not stay together. In fact, they began quarreling with one another. They began to argue and to fight because you couldn't really tell whose animal was whose and who worked for who. And things began to get mixed up and they found that they needed a little bit of space in between them. Right. Sometimes you just need a little space. Right. Uh, We experience that in life. And then look what happens. It says in quarreling arose between Abram's shepherders uh, or herders. Sorry. And lots, the Canaanites and Perizzites also living in the land that were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you, he said, let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, this is admirable of Abraham. This is what he says. He says, hey, we're not getting along. We got to do something. We want to stay friends, right? We want to stay related. We want to have a good relationship between us. Abraham was a peacemaker. And we're not really talking about Abraham, but there's so many lessons here, and I just can't avoid them. But Abraham was a peacemaker, and sometimes in life we have to do that, right? He could have chosen the best land for himself and said, hey, I'm going over here a lot. You know, make a living for yourself. Go on and do it. Um, but he said, hey, hey, Lot, this is the way it's going to go. If you go to the right, you choose. If you go to the right, I'm going to go to the left. If you go to the left, I'm going to go to the right. And so what we see here is that Lot had a decision to make. And that ultimately, because Lot had, just like Abraham, packed his family up and left their hometown and left everything behind, just like Abraham had, Lot had a decision to make that would have ultimately would affect the well-being and the livelihood of his family. Right. His family's future kind of hinged on this decision, left or right, left or right. Right. There's times that we have to make decisions like that. There's times in our life that we have to make a decision and we know that the future kind of hinges on that decision. And so look at what Lot did. Look at how listen to how he makes this decision. It said Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham or Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. And so we have. Lot that chose the best land for his family. He looked out and he said, this is what's 
best for our family. This is where I should plant roots. This is where my family can do well. This is where my livestock will flourish. We will, we will do well here. And we all would have made that decision probably um, because it was the wise decision given the circumstance, weighing the pros and cons. Lot sat down and he made that decision. Now, life is made up of, and as I was reading this story, I couldn't help but to think about this, and we've talked about this before, that life is made up of a series of decisions, right? And it's one of the things that shapes us or that changes, um, uh, that makes us different from uh, the rest of creation, right? That's that human beings have the ability to make intellectual decisions. And, and then the rest of uh, creation doesn't really do that. And uh, at first I was thinking, well, my, well, this is pretty bad. I was thinking, well, my dog is pretty smart, right? Um, but dog Dogs act on instinct, right? They don't make intellectual decisions. They don't weigh pros and cons. A dog is never going to say, listen, this is what my dog does every morning. It's, it's the most uh, ridiculous thing ever, right? Um, she, she just, they just live on instinct. So we, we, uh, every morning we let our dog out the kitchen door, and they go out in our backyard, and they run around. Um, uh, well, two of them run around. One does the same thing every morning, right? She runs out into the yard and then she runs right. I don't even think she's using the restroom. She runs right back up into the, to the door and starts scratching on the door and whining because she knows what? That every single morning she gets to go out and she gets to come right back in and there's food in her bowl. She knows she leaves out the house. There's no food in the bowl. When she comes back in the house, there's food in this bowl. And so all she knows is that she wants the food. She's not concerned with using the restroom, running around, playing with sticks, uh, barking at other dogs. She's not concerned with any of that. Just instinct teaches her. There's no, there's no intellectual um, um, weighing pros and cons going on there. Um, it's just her instinct is telling her to come right back to that door because she's coming in to get some food to eat. And every single morning, without fail, um, she, she open, we open the door and she runs to the, to the room so quickly. She comes through the kitchen, right, and turns to go back to the room where her food is and turn, makes that turn so quickly that she falls straight on her side and gets back up every single morning. It's like you would think that she would learn better to do that. But the thing that separates us from animals is that if I did the same thing every single morning and fell flat on my face, I would learn from that, right? I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going, I might run in and slow down as I make that turn and then start running again. But this dog does not have the logic to be able to do that. Um, but God has given human beings um, the intellectual capacity to make decisions, to weigh pros and cons. And in fact, our life is made up of a series of decisions, right? The decisions we make today are going to affect tomorrow. The decisions that you make tomorrow are going to affect the next day. The decisions you made this morning. And, and the way humans work is we become habitual decision makers, right? We make them out of habit. We don't even think about our decisions half the time, right? And that's necessary. That's not a, um, that's not a thing of saying, well, you need to start thinking about every single decision you made. Well, if you made, uh, thought about every decision you made, you would never make it to church, right? We make hundreds of decisions from the time we wake up to the time you got here this morning without even thinking about it. And it's part of being human, and we have to operate that way because the human brain just cannot process the number of decisions that we're making. So we kind of make them without thinking. We make them by habit. But decisions shape our life, and they shape our future. 
And so Lot found himself uh, in a place where he had to make a decision, left or right, left or right, which way will I go? And he made a decision based upon the logic that he had and the best decision that he made about the logic that he had in in the moment. But what we're going to see in this story is that the decision that he made was not the best one for his family. Ultimately, it was not the best decision for his family. And we have an opportunity to get right some of the things that Lot got wrong. And so we want to look, I just want to look at um, two principles in the, uh, that, that, uh, that I think that Lot could have benefited from. Two things that we can learn today that Lot could have benefited from. And it totally would have changed his life and altered the way that he, he lived and made decisions. So the first thing I want you to see, and this is just a, it's kind of an idiomatic phrase that's popular today, and that's that the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Um, you know what that statement means, right? That humans have a tendency to desire something that they don't currently have, right? It's just kind of human tendency to have desires and longings for something else, right? It just kind of looks better over there. And now for Lot, the grass really was greener, right? He looked out and he weighed pros and cons, right? He looked to the left and he saw this land that that was dry and did not look like it would be a good place for him to raise his family. He looked to the other side and he saw this land that was green and it was flourishing and there was water there. And he said, this must be the best place for me to raise my family. You know, as human beings, we have that tendency, right? And and really what this is referring to is not standing on the top of a hill and looking left and right and saying, which one will I choose? But it's saying, hey, there are times in our lives that we weigh pros and cons, that we look out and there's some things that we are over, that we're overlooking. Look at what, um, look at what happens in this story uh, uh, with Lot, because uh, ultimately, he didn't choose um, the, the, the best place. And so in Lot, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 13, it says, um, in verse 14, I think is where I am. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, um, to Abram, uh, uh, sorry, I don't know where I am, where I'm supposed to be. Oh, it's behind me. Uh, 14 verse 11. All right, there we go. In 14 verse 11, look at what it says there. It says, the, that's not where I'm supposed to be. Is that where I'm supposed to be? Okay, well, we'll just read it from there. Um, the 14, verse 11, the four kings. So this is what happened. Um, There's a war that broke out. Uh, and there were these four kings that came up against these five kings. The four kings defeated the five kings. Uh, and, and, um, and, uh, and Lot was living in the land where the five kings were. And so they were defeated. So it says the four kings came and seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went on their way. Then they carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So what we see in this story is that the way that this played out is that Lot stood at the top of a hill. He weighed pros and cons, right? He looked and saw that the grass really was greener on this side, and he chose that side over this side. And then what happens is these kings come in, the thing that he could not see, the thing he could not foresee ended up coming in and, and unexpectedly kind of caught him off guard. And this guy was just trying to choose the best option for his family. So many times we run into the same situation in our lives. At least I do. I'm trying to make the best decision possible. I even weigh pros and cons. I look at it from every angle I think that I possibly can. And I choose the wrong decision. Or at least I I live 
I struggle with not having regret and saying, if I would have chosen that way, this would have been different. This would have worked out differently. Or there's things that I don't see. Now, I don't know exactly because um, the, the thing I struggled with this week is, is the reality that the grass really is greener sometimes on the other side. And I think what the scriptures are always challenging us to do is to check our longing and desire for something else and to first be satisfied with what we have before we begin longing for what we can have and for uh, choosing and pursuing something other than what we have. The scriptures are always challenging us to kind of slow down and make intentional decisions that welcome God into the decision-making process. In fact, I found online this week, and I, I don't know whether they were on the slides, but there were these 10, um, these 10 principles for making decisions. And I'm just going to read through these because, uh, because it's 10 of them, and, and I don't have the time to really go into each of them. Um, but, but if you got one of those sermon talk sheets on your way in, one of the sheets, um, there's a, a link to the website that's on that on, on question number three. Um, but, but listen to these, these questions. It says, what biblical principles should inform my decisions, right? What biblical principles should inform my decisions? This is if we're making decisions. What biblical principles should inform my decision? Number two, do I have all the facts? Number three, is the pressure of time forcing me to make a premature decision? That's huge, right? What possible motives are driving my decisions? How should past experiences inform my decisions? That's huge, too. I don't want to get sidetracked talking about these, but what past experiences? How can I learn from my own past? Right? What's the collective counsel of my community? We firmly believe that that's one of the purposes of the church, right? Uh, having Christian community around you is so that you can run things by your community. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Can you pray for me? Can you help me think through this? That's huge. That happens in our city groups, in our small groups as community forms, and you have people praying for you. It is a, a major part of the Christian life, right? Number seven, have I honestly considered the warning signs? Have I honestly looked and said, hey, that's a warning sign, or am I overlooking the warning signs because this is the way I want it to play out, right? Have I considered the possible outcomes for my course of action? Number nine, could this decision jeopardize my integrity or hinder my witness for the Lord? And then number 10, is there a better option that would allow me to make a greater impact for God's kingdom? Now, I, I challenge you to, um, to go back and look at that website and to maybe even to uh, copy and paste those and put them somewhere where you can go back and look at them when you have a decision to make. Because the scriptures are calling us to kind of slow down and to really logically think through the decisions that we have to make. Because the decision that, that Lot made, um, when, when as, it, as it plays out, is, is he chose um, the place that looked like it was greener, it looked like it was flourishing. But what he failed to pay attention to, and we read later in Scripture, is that the land of Sodom was overtaken by perversity. It was overtaken by wickedness and evil, and the people of Sodom were corrupt. And later, even in the Bible, it says not only that he moved near Sodom, but he had moved in Sodom, and he was drawn toward that. And so there's a question of, did he only see what his eyes chose to see, and did he overlook the danger of living near Sodom? Did he overlook the danger of living near 
near Sodom. You see, in our lives, there's things that we'll overlook. In fact, when I want things to play out a certain way, I know I may weigh pros and cons, and when I want it to uh, turn out one way, I will put more things on that pro list than on the con list, right? I can't think of a con. And I might ask somebody, and they come up with a whole list of them. I'm like, where do those come from, right? Um, but because we, we, can't, we, are, we can't fully trust our ourselves. We need community. We need people. We need ways of making healthy, wise decisions. And Lot made one decision and it turned out not to be the best option for his family. And it's kind of because of this principle. The grass is greener on the other side, right? We, we look on the other side and we find ourselves longing. And the way longing and desire works, pay attention to it in your life, right? The way longing and desire works is that it's, it's alive, right? It grows, it morphs, it takes over. It's kind of like kudzu. It's like ivy that, before you know, it grows and takes over. Um, that's the way longing works. Longing doesn't, it doesn't ever stay idle, right? It, it increases over the course of time. And so the longer you desire something, the longer you wish for it, the longer you want it, the greater and the deeper that longing becomes. I think that's one of the reasons, even with um, Samson, Last week, when we saw like his his um, his his uh, eyes kept getting him in trouble because he kept looking at these these women, and then that longing and that desire would overwhelm him, and then he would pursue the things that he looked at. I love in in Job chapter thirty one, and this is kind of getting off track again, but Job chapter thirty one verse one, Job says this: "I've made a covenant with my eyes. I made a covenant with my eyes, right? And that's a that's something that we need to do." We need to learn to make covenants with our eyes so that when we find ourselves longing something, desiring something, looking at something for an extended period of time that may not be for our good, that we need to find a way to break our focus, to really make a sound decision. Not to just weigh pros and cons, but make a sound biblical decision with our community so that we can avoid the trap that Lot fell into. Choosing what appeared to be green. So the first thing I want you to see is that idea that the grass is greener on the other side. The second thing I want you to see is that um, faith does not have a coattail, right? Faith does not have a coattail. You know the saying, you know, you ride on the coattail of someone else, right? You get in on the coattail of someone else. Faith does not have a coattail. So God appears to Abraham in Genesis 12 and says to him, hey, I'm going to bless you. Come and follow me. And here's Lot tagging along in Abraham's shadow, living in Abraham's shadow. When we read the scriptures, we see that there's certain things that Abraham does every place that he goes. Right. He travels from place to place as he's following God. But every time he slows down, there's one thing that he does. If you look back in Genesis chapter 12, um, look there. I'm going to start in verse six. It says, Abram traveled traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah and Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7, this is what's important. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I'll give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the first altar in the scriptures that we see that Abraham builds. But if you look further as the scripture continues in verse 8, it says from there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Right. And then in in chapter 13, again, if you notice the trend here, right, everywhere that he goes, he's building an altar to the Lord. In verse 13, it says from Negev, he went 
from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had built his first altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. And so everywhere he's going, you see in the scriptures that he's beginning to call on the name of the Lord. He builds an altar and he, he calls on the name of the Lord. In, in the end of chapter 13 and verse 18, it says, So Abraham went to live near the great tree of Mamre in Hebron, where he pitched his tent. There he built an altar to the Lord. You see, Abraham had this practice, and that was to build structures into his life to ensure that he worshiped God and that he was reminded of God's role in his life. Right. And he did this everywhere he went. Every time he slowed down, every season that he was in, every place where he place where he lived, he built these altars to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. You see, these altars are simply structures, structures that reminded Abraham of the importance of God in his life. There were rituals, things that he did. And it's important for us today to have structures in our life to remind us of God's role in our lives. Because what we see in this story is that when Abraham and Lot parted ways, Lot didn't do any such thing, right? He didn't build any structures in his life. Look at um, in chapter 13, verse, uh, verse 11. It says, So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham uh, lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. All Lot did was go and pitch his tent. And what Abraham did was he went and built an altar to the Lord and worshiped him there. And what Lot learned is that he could not ride on the coattail of Abraham's faith because faith has no coattail, right? It has to be faith of our own. You can't be Christian by extension, right? It has become a faith of your own that you you take ownership of, right? It's not grandma's faith is not mom's faith dad's faith grandpa's faith none of that can happen christianity does not work like that it's not a thing that we're born into or something that we're just in by birthright right it's not a right that we have at our birth this is the reason why we celebrate baptism because it marks a decision that we've made in our lives to follow jesus for ourselves a personal decision you see what lot failed to do was to learn faith to have faith of his own that was growing and flourishing so that when he was no longer in the company of abraham that that faith would continue to flourish now i think there's two things here that the church has to learn to do one is discipleship we have to learn to do discipleship better right that's simply um as we've been walking with the lord and as we're learning the ways of the lord right that we turn and we begin teaching others about what we're learning we begin talking about it and showing others in the scriptures and challenging other people as we've learned we challenge them with the very things that we learn Right, begin teaching them how to follow Jesus for themselves. Discipleship is key. So that's the first thing that I think the church has to be uh, very um, uh, attentive to doing, especially in this world where we've, um, where all the focus, here's what's happened. All the focus has turned up here, right? We're, we're all turned up here, and, and, and then the weight becomes, and I don't want that weight, um, the weight becomes upon me to teach people the Scriptures, when in, in what it should be is that we should be turning to one another, and we should be challenging each other with the learning that we've received from the Scriptures. We should be helping others and walking with them with the knowledge that we've learned, and as we grow, we're helping others to grow as well, right? 
And so don't be deceived by the way that things look here where everybody's facing this way. We got to learn to start facing this way and begin looking towards one another and walking with each other in the faith. And that's that's one thing, right? Abraham should have been turning to Lot and saying, hey, Lot, this is why I'm building this altar. This is how you do this. This is how you worship God. When you get out on your own, right, just like a parent does a child, when you get out on your own, the first thing you need to do is not pitch that tent. You need to be building an altar to the Lord because he brought you this far, right? We have to learn discipleship. And then the second thing I think we have to learn And this isn't necessarily a a biblical principle because the Bible does command discipleship or teach us discipleship. It says, go and make disciples. But I think the second thing that we got to learn is don't wait for somebody to make a disciple out of you. I think that is biblical, actually. There were crowds that began to follow Jesus to learn from him as he began to teach. And so if you see somebody that's that's, uh, further along in the faith, been walking with the Lord longer than you have, learn from them, right? Begin drawing close to them. Even ask them, hey, can you, um, can you help me here? Can you pray for me here? Hey, how did you learn how to um, do this? Or, or how, did you, how did you come to this point where you are? How did you learn how to pray or read the scriptures? Or can we read the Bible together? Hey, can you answer this question for me from the scriptures? We got to learn to be proactive about our faith. Because it's not something that's simply handed to us. And so, yeah, Lot should have been proactively learning from Abraham and Abraham should have been proactively teaching Lot so that when Lot stepped out on his own, that he didn't find himself in the situation that he found himself in, that he knew better how to walk with the Lord, that he would have gone out and built his own altar and that from place to place he would have worshipped the Lord there. You see, I think from from Lot, we can learn that in our own lives, we got to establish structures and rituals to remind us of the importance of God's role in our lives. Now, one is the obvious, right? What we're doing right now, coming to church every week. That is a a ritual in our lives. That's one of the structures in our lives that reminds us of the importance of God's role in our lives. That's that's an important one. Communion is one that we do every week. We share in, in communion. I believe giving is an important one, right? Setting aside money to give to God's work. Those are important rituals and structures, ways that we worship God, that we set aside in our life to remind us of the importance of God's role in our lives. In fact, if we're doing those things on a regular basis, if we're coming to church on a regular basis, if we're praying on a regular basis, if we're sharing in communion on a regular basis, if we're giving financially to the work that God is doing through the church on a regular basis, if we're reading the scriptures on a regular basis, it's hard to forget the importance of God's role in our lives. And we're reminded every day of the importance of following him wherever we are. You see, Lot could have learned this, but we have the opportunity on this end to learn it and to apply it to our own lives. And that's that faith has no coattail and we can't get in on the faith of someone else. But we had to embrace it for ourselves, learn it for ourselves and grow up in the faith. The next generation is dependent upon that. The next generation is dependent upon that. I'm going to leave it there. Next generation is dependent upon that. Let's pray. God, we're thankful this this morning that you've given us these scriptures for us uh, to study and that we can see from from Lot that, yeah, there's there's times in our lives even that we need to slow down and make wise, sound, biblical decisions. God, please help us not to just say, 
this is my list of pros, this is my list of cons, and this is the decision I'm making as a result of that. But God, please help us to turn to you for guidance, for help, for leadership in our lives. God, will you please truly be the Lord of our lives and help us to submit to you as such. And God, I also pray that you will help us to begin growing in the faith and continue growing into the fa- in the faith and to realize that we've never arrived, but we always have a way to go. And God, as we grow, help us to help others who are coming along beside us to grow in the faith as well. That together your church will grow up and that she will be beautiful and she will represent you well. God, I'm thankful that you've placed that upon us. And I pray that you help us to take that responsibility seriously. That even in that, we will honor you. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.